Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Bastards Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and the five steps of salvation. <laughs> My name is Michael Basinger. Well, we are talking about Paul this week, so... With me are Matt Polly. Hello, quit it! Brad Polly. Hey, guys! And together, we are the Inglorious Pastors. I'm gonna bum you put your phone in a lockbox when you come in from now yeah, on. Yeah, no kidding. He wants to get, like, a cord that you can connect directly into the thing. It, it's gonna it's happen. Gonna, it's, I mean... It'll probably happen. It's coming. Um, yeah, so uh, what are you guys drinking? We have uh, special God, We've been drinking. Yeah, I'll say, what have we not drank at we've, this point? We've been drinking a bit tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I'm already a beer and a considerable amount of rye whiskey into the evening. As am I. Um, and I'm about to drink a literal pint full of 8% I'm a glass alcohol, of water in. I've so. had a glass of water and a couple <laughs> sips of beer. So, so he's yay. hammered. I am shmammered. <laughs> Michael shit face. Yeah. So I'm really stoked about this beer because I had to pre-order it because it's that that pretentious. Um, it really is. It is from um, uh, the the Czech. Is that where we're gonna go with it? The Czech. No, it's the no, Danish. Danish. The Danish. It's Danish. That is from Belgium. It, not e- no, no, it isn't. It Jesus says product. It says, oh my it says God. product of Belgium right on the on the bottle. You told us it was Danish. It is Danish. <laughs> It's from the company Tool. So um, it's definitely not from Belgium. Yeah. Well, that, it says uh, product of Belgium. Yeah, but well, it, then it isn't Danish. It said it was Danish on the website that it I pre-ordered. It is not. It is Belgian. So um, it's called Pineapple Express. It's by Tool. It's a stout brewed with pineapple and, and coffee and weed. No weed. <laughs> Prostitutes. Um, so Pineapple <laughs> Express. It. Uh, you've all got some. When you open it, Seth Rogen's like, "Oh, fucked up." <laughs> 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 James Franco's like, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, that's Beavis and Butthead. Stop. Yeah, that was no, that was that was Seth Rogen. No, it was definitely Beavis. That and was Butthead. And the first part of it, it was it was a pretty good Seth Rogen. No, that's pretty much Butthead. So, South Rogen, South Rogen, South Rogen, South Rogen is my favorite comedy <laughs> actor. South Rogen. I haven't even tried it yet. It's good. Yeah, it's nice. It's a it's a really oh, good stout. I don't really get a whole lot of pineapple. Uh, there's a there's, there's a hint. Yeah, there's a hint. Of it. Yeah, I get it in that very. Because when you told me you're like Michael, like sent Matt and I a message. He was so friggin' excited about <laughs> pineapple stout. And I was like, that sounds god awful. But it's actually really yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. They did a good job with it. I really I get a pineapple on the very score one for the Belgian Danes. The Belgian Danes. Thanks, Belgian Danish. Oh, they definitely told me it was it was Danish. Said it was a Danish. It did, but it's not. So um, maybe the, the the company is is owned by I don't Danes. Know. Anyway, I don't moving know. on. What are you drinking, Brad? Uh, I haven't really had it yet. I've got a glass full of it. The uh, Voskalitis. <laughs> no wait, Lagunitas. What do you call that? I got to drag up to Voskalitis. I got to drag morning. my ass up to Voskalitis. I'm doing the, I'm doing the drywall, drywall at the McDonald's. McDonald's up there. Uh, Lagunitas nighttime. Fear the dark. Ale. I, that's Ale. what it says on the. It's got a dog with. Is the space in there too? It has a the dog. The has a dog with sunglasses dot, on dot, the front. Dot. Let me Ale. let me see if this is any good. Oh my god, that's it's really good. good. Yeah, I'm about. Oh man, I'm about three fourths the way to shit face. So we're gonna want to just move. Dude, Lagunitas is really good. Yeah, like they do good I stuff, don't man. know that I've had a beer from them I haven't liked. I don't think I have. So um, is that California? Yeah, California, Petaluma, California, yeah. and Chicago, California. Illinois. California. Let's do that in Air Neville. 
California, California, here we come. So like off, off <laughs> record, whatever, we were all singing Aaron Neville shit. We were covering yeah. Aaron Neville. Just different. So we don't know any actual Aaron Neville What do we say? What do we say? Yeah, we do. The touch. The feel of content of This is actually pretty good. It is pretty good. Michael does a very things great and small. You are the one that's You do a very passable uh, Aaron Neville, buddy. Most good of your word. impressions are just shit, but that was pretty good, man. Oh, shit. Uh. <laughs> I have, really a feeling, I have a feeling that's not going to be the last Aaron Neville you hear on this yeah. podcast tonight. <laughs> it may be. Let's hope knows. not. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so oh. this round is on the Sassy Atheist. Thank you, Sassy. <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. Travel <laughs> <laughs> around the world back again. Dude, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. is you. <laughs> um, t- Tamara Owens, the sassy atheist. Tamara, Tamara, t- God, Tamara, like a did camera. we not interview we her? Did. And you we still totally fucked did. it up. Uh, My God, Tamara, like camera. Sorry, Tamara. <laughs> Tamara. Sorry. Let's just call Tamara. her sassy. Sorry, sassy. Shashy, shashy. She's very shashy. You're the reason she hates Christians. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Abby. <laughs> um, so she graduated. Cratchit. <laughs> graduated. Magna cum laude. Loudy. Loudy. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't so, read right now. someone that didn't graduate magna cum laude, Michael J. Basinger. <laughs> he didn't even graduate magna cum laude. He was homeschooled. No kidding. Oh, we're six minutes in and I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> His homeschool diploma says magnum cum loud, and it's L O U D. It's very loud. Oh, God. <laughs> Pump up the bass. I love you, buddy. Um, You're my favorite. University of Tampa, earning a BFA majoring in graphic design. A in BOFA? Sc- she got a BOFA, Bofa? degree? <laughs> BOFA D's nuts? <laughs> graphic design and sculpture. Um, wow. While she's waiting for her Beanie Baby collection <laughs> to rebound on the market uh, <laughs> in order that so she can retire in style or at all. Uh, Tamara. Tamara. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. Uh, God, you're the worst. Tamara. Uh, is that even a second camera? But I, can't. I don't think I could say camera right now. I think I would say Camara. Camara. Yeah. I took a picture with my Camara. <laughs> literally the dumbest person I know. <laughs> Just literally the dumbest person I know. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, her, uh, oh, my gosh. So she's pursuing her MS in instructional design and technology. Nice. Um, her passions are books, maps, and organizing everything she can get her hands upon. She spends her days working diligently in a library, her nights and weekends frantically reading texts, writing papers, and contemplating life, the universe, and everything. 
On rare occasions, she slips away to the beach to swim, scare small children, and confuse the tourists. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Future plans. Well, she is an atheist. Right. You know. Future plans include either designing a mobile app, mobile app, more addictive (laughs) than Candy Crush, or creating videos for educational or entertainment value only, depending on her mood. You can find her at on Twitter at sassy tko. Yes. Very and uh, she was on episode what was that? God, forever, forever ago. ago. The, the one with her. the sassy atheist. Yeah, she was it was good. Yeah. It was really good. We're she is the sassy atheist. Really do to have her back on here. Yeah. 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 yeah, we need a we need a life update from the sassy. Yeah. So. If you'd like to buy a round on us, you can go to patreon.com/pastorspodcast. Uh, that will put you in the pub. It's a closed Facebook group where we talk about life, spirituality, um, memes, and just about everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, things discussed in the pub this week were NCAA brackets. Mine busted. was dead in two days. Yours was dead in two games. Mine was dead because I didn't yeah. do one. Yeah, Brad's a dick. Villanova went down. Louisville went down. I was done. So yeah. those are my two tournament, my two terrible. championship teams. There was somebody bracket McBracket face who literally got everyone <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Not in our our bracket. Oh, okay, like, okay. In, in, man, in you got to really try to be that. Yeah, bad. they literally bra- bracket McBracket face. <laughs> I think got every single one. In. I really like that. Um, we also talked about great books that everyone loves that you specifically hate. So like, yeah, yeah, like great literature that you can't stand. I anything by Dickens. God, what an insufferable dick. Uh, the idiot. Those by, books are fucking. The idiot garbage. by Dostoevsky can. Oh suck man, a nut, it is. Man. I got. I have twice gotten a hundred and ten pages. Three into times. That. I've done and, it three times. And I can't get, do it. I can't finish. Nothing it. happens in a hundred pages. Read, I've read Brothers Karamazov mm-hmm. and Crime and Punishment, mm-hmm. and I cannot get through those two the are idiot. fine. I can read those two. They are idiot. I couldn't do it. Oh man, Russian literature is just nothing every, happens. Everybody has nine names and nothing and happens. Nothing happens. Yeah. That's Russian literature. Nine yeah. names. Nine. It is. Nine. Seriously. Yeah. Nine. No, that's German. That's German. I know. Um, do, so how do, do you <laughs> do you really know that? Or are you just saying you know that? I'm just saying. Yeah, that's what I okay. thought. Um so we also talked about how he celebrated St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So Yeah. Matt, I didn't do much. I've had the uh, lovely uh J.M. Casey and family up. The J.M. John yeah. Malkovich Casey. Yeah, John Malkovich Casey. My wife and I, I made uh, shepherd's pie. I make a mean shepherd's pie. I and didn't do my anything. wife made soda bread, and she makes really good soda bread. Nice. We had, uh, uh, and then I had, we just had that in Guinness, and it was lovely. We had uh, uh, Joshua and uh, Josh Casey and his wife, Michaela, up, uh, and their three children, who are lovely, and John uh, Malkovich Casey and Mrs. Yes. Malkovich. We yes. had uh, bangers and mash. And Shepherd's Pie and Guinness. Did you do a car bomb? No, we didn't end up doing a car yeah, bomb. You don't want to do it. You really don't want to do a Josh, car bomb. Josh and I put away two pints of Guinness and some Irish whiskey, so we were pretty good yeah, for the you night. You really don't want to do a <clears throat> car bomb. It's no. a disaster. They're gross. Yeah. We also talked about Quaker theology in the pub and then more Enneagram talk. A lot of Enneagram uh, talk. I found out actually, yeah. I thought when I first read Richard George's book, I was like, I'm a one. Come to find out, I'm a five. I'm a mm. five wing six. And I just took the online test last night and I was like, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. And then read, uh, reread the chapter today on mm. uh, from the book. And I was like, yeah. And it's funny because when I read the book the first time, if you look like everything in that chapter is either underlined or bracketed. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> like, I mean, it is. So I'm a, yeah, I'm a five wing six. That's crazy. Uh, and it makes so much sense of the shit that I struggle with. 
and how I've grown over the years and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, pretty cool. I found out that I am a Jedi with an X-Wing. So. <laughs> Rim shot. That's, that's pretty good. But yep. that, yeah, that's a good hashtag. That might be our winner. We might have had our winner hashtag. That's, there, that's, right. my, that's my Enneagram. <laughs> Jedi with an X-Wing. Take that, Science Mike. Uh, speaking of Jedis, oh, did you boy. see the picture floating around? It may be the first picture ever of Luke Skywalker. No, what do you mean? Have no. you seen it? No. Mark Hamill posted it. Oh, I saw it, that. It might be the first. It was picture from day one. Day of filming one. a New Hope. Oh, of him as Luke in coming like out Tunisia. Didn't they film that mm-hmm. in Tunisia for right? the uh, coming out for the uh, the droid buying the droids? Nice. And he thinks it's the first picture ever of, of Luke. Pretty nice. cool. I'll have to, I'll find it and send it to you. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. Mark, this Mark beer is unspeakable. Mark Hamill's delicious. a good follow on Twitter, by the way. There's speculation that we may see um, Yoda in Episode Eight. Really? Yeah. There's some. Some speculation I mean, on them. Yeah, didn't that fucker die he already? He probably will be a ghost of some sort. I would imagine. Oh, blue, oh the blue, fo- blue force ghost. Yeah. yeah. As long as that little whiny bitch isn't there. What's uh, C three PO? No. Fuck uh, him. Anakin. Too. The Hayden. Hayden By the way, if you rewatch like the original Star Wars, like C three PO is every bit as insufferable as Jar Jar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is. Yeah. Completely. Just terrible. I mean, first it was C three PO, and then it was melt the... that son of a bitch into scrap. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. See, Chewbacca could have let him go into the furnace in the Empire, but no, he had to rescue him. No kidding. There's always somebody Sc- people Screw can stand. you, Chewie. First it was C-3PO, then it was the damn Ewoks, wo- damn then Jar Jar, then Hayden Christensen. <laughs> For three entire episodes. No, he was just in two. Yeah. It was in the first one. Well, yeah, but Jake Lloyd was insufferable, too. So. Yeah. Well, really he's whiny. his own special kind of insufferable. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're going to go uh, into the news feed. Here we okay. go. Okay. Yeah. Um. So first up, a sassy is 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 it's a sassy week. She's got her um newsfeed piece. Nice. nice. So she supported us on our GoFundMe. So she picked a newsfeed. So she she's truly wonderful. Yeah. She really is. <laughs> I really want to get to Florida just to meet her. Yeah. Saint actually. Sassy or drag her ass up in Indiana. I wonder if she would hate yeah, us. Yeah, so let's we go down there. That's a good point. Let's go down there. Um, so here's our new sweet piece. It says, Zoo sues studio for traumatizing raccoon <laughs> used in an erotic ad. So a Russian zoo... <laughs> I did not see this. A uh, Russian zoo is suing uh, an advertising studio for advertising studio for overstimulating a raccoon it loaned for run-of-the-mill <laughs> commercial. Wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What? Overstimulated okay. a raccoon? Yes. for It was for a regular commercial, run-of-the-mill commercial that was going to be on, on public television. Um, and it instead ended up featuring, featuring a topless model, um, which apparently disturbed the, the, the <laughs> raccoon. Um, got, a, got a raccoon stiff? Yes. So, well... There's there's some video online and you can see the raccoon is like trying to steal the woman's uh, bra. Um, it's 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 weird. Uh, it's blurred out, so you, it's it's. That raccoon was Randy. <laughs> he was there. It is nailed it. <laughs> Randy the raccoon. Um, so the studio says it's, it's the, the shittiest Beatles song ever. The, the studio says that Randy raccoon. <laughs> I was going to do it, but I can't. <laughs> the raccoon. 
Randy the Raccoon. As he drinks more, he starts to sound more like Grover when he tries to sing like Aaron Neville. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Near, near fire. Um, a, B, the studio calls the suit absurd and complains that the little raccoon, Thomas, is Thomas the raccoon. <laughs> because um, why would it be? Or maybe Tomas. T O M A S. Tomas. Tomas. Tomas the raccoon. Strike that from the record. Awesome. Michael's dumb in multiple languages. He had some problems of its own. And uh, so he, so the raccoon did actually snatch the model, the model's bra, um, to nibble on it. As one does. And they had requested a trained animal, but instead got Tomas, who was young and <laughs> ran. Tomas. Tomas. <laughs> no, Tomas. 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 No, no mas. No, no mas. Um, and he ran off all the time. So they were wanting a trained animal, but the zoo gave him a young one who just didn't cooperate. And then the studio says, insist. out there trying to eat titties. <laughs> Uh, all right, so, so, so the zoo is now. <laughs> uh, the, the zoo comes back and says, We believe that there were treats hidden inside of the bra, and that that's why Tomas. Uh, well, now it's spelled Thomas with an H. What the hell? <laughs> Thomas, uh, well, that's what kept him interested were the treats in the bra. <laughs> Same. Wow. <laughs> so um, they insisted that, that it was not intended to be erotic, but Thomas just did his own Way thing. There you go, Thomas. Tomas. Tomas, Thomas. Oh, um, man. The zoo calls it an, an immoral. It's immoral to mix nature with eroticism. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I can't disagree with that, well, I guess. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So Tomas is finally home, um, but is sad and frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and he has been for months. <laughs> That's what it says, I swear. He's got blue balls or what? I was gonna yep. say. <laughs> he came back withdrawn, always slept in, in the corner, and now he snaps at people trying to get the bras. <laughs> well, on, on that note, <laughs> so sassy. Th- this is uh, sort of related. Uh, <laughs> Imagine how Jap- <laughs> Japanese man who amassed a six-ton pile of porn mags died when it collapsed on I top of him. I saw this, what? and his body wasn't found what? for six months. What? Ooh. Death by porn. It Death finally by happened. Porn. Everything your mom told you when you were a kid, it's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> First, Aaron Neville. Now this, Michael's on a roll tonight, oh, man. man. God doesn't kill a kitten. He buries you under porn bags. <laughs> okay, so a lonely Japanese man who amassed more than six tons of porn. Tons! Died when a huge pile of magazines fell on top That's... of him. Even more tragically, the man's body was only discovered six months later when the landlord entered the flat to find out why the rent had not been paid. It took you six months to go, man, you ain't paid your rent or what? He didn't have it. He spent it all Yeah, I was porn. a property manager. Really, six months is a long That's time a long to go time. without any money. Uh yeah, we had some um some transition time. I mean, there. there's there's photos. It is unfriggin' believable this, how much porn six tons of porn is. It's twelve thousand pounds of porn. Yeah, yeah, twelve thousand pounds. He was fifty car fifty year old car maker, former car maker, identified only by the name Joji, which apparently is Japanese for cranks that hog a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I back. Uh, yeah. So it's unclear if he suffered a heart attack and fallen into the stacks of magazines, which had then fallen on top of him, or whether he had been crushed by the mass of paper. So, well, to put that in perspective, that's an elephant. Yeah, I mean, an elephant I mean, you're, you're talking like six cars. Yeah, or at more, least, at like least six, six trucks, seven, eight cars, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is just an unholy, like, literally unholy amount of porn. Like, is there a holy amount of porn? <laughs> well, you know, a little bit here and there. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> little, little here. Seven little magazines. <laughs> stop. I feel like we're stop. going. Stop. Yeah, this is going. I feel like stop. No. Like, no. You shut up right now. Are there people who still get porn magazines? Well, apparently yeah. Joji from Japan does. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like the 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 like it, I feel like it, like after, I, okay, so just fun, stay fun home. story. That's sort Wait, of half related to this. No, I when I was a property manager here in town, uh, the owner was telling me that one time, this was before I started, uh, a few years before I started, they had a tenant that died in his apartment. And when they went into his apartment to clean it out later, they found like probably 30 stacks of porn mags. And inside, his, inside his couch was $20,000 of cash. Wow! That he had like cut a hole in his couch and stashed twenty thousand dollars worth of worth of cash, and they kept it. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean nobody was there to claim it. He had no family. I mean, it was like wow. So it was just just pouring cash like, all over. Like the place. I feel like after, let's call it two thousand pounds of porn. <laughs> like you would you think that would be enough, had right? Enough? Like, I mean, how much? <laughs> like, you think you'd just be puffing you steam gotta at wonder, that point? I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I feel like the variations was sort of. <laughs> it's all you'd hear. <laughs> I feel. I feel Your like penis is just like, for God's sake, stop! <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. I, I feel like, like please stop. You're straining it. Like, like you're that much it. porn. Like, I feel like you would have exhausted like the variations yeah. on it. I don't know, man. There That's had a to lot be, of porn. There had to be some weird shit. Writer's there, cramp. Like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. And Ori's uh, a collector. I mean, people collect stuff like that, but that's a lot to collect. That's, yes, it is I a once, lot. I once found a magazine at work. I went to clean the restrooms, and there was one just Ooh, laying on the floor. boy. Yikes. Yeah, and it, like, it was open, he, which he is still, weird. He still has it at home. <laughs> No, I went and got some gloves and, and promptly <laughs> threw it away. I was yes. touching that. I don't um, blame you. Um, but it was opened and, and it looked like I'm not I'm gonna describe it to you a little bit. It looked uh, like screenshots from a film. Yeesh. Like it looked like it was just like um like celebrities. <laughs> he, and they're just like he did took a lot of studying. Yeah. I mean in the in the, the, the five seconds I looked at it, it looked like it was just like like picture frames, like multiple, like huh. slightly moved into like it was weird. Can we move on? Yeah, we <laughs> I feel like we've on. exhausted this. I feel story. like we probably. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Though. Matt, seems... what you got? Have you seen the video of the giant chicken? Yes, I. This was actually almost the story okay. I brought. I also have. It I is. Have it, it is. Looks like okay. it is looking have for Peter. It, it looks like it's it. looking for Peter Griffin. It is unbelievable. <laughs> okay, you ready? All right. What we'll post, dude. This, this thing is massive. Watch this chicken come out of here, you man. You cannot believe the size of this chicken. Seriously, come on. Hit play, dumbass. I did. Spacebar? Do you got spacebar? Shop now. Oh, we're gonna do a staples <laughs> ad first. Yes. You yes. gotta be shitting me. <laughs> this. Wait here. Watch this damn thing. Maybe. There we go. 
Oh my god! Dude, no, seriously, oh, that looks like a it, Muppet man. It, it, it does. It looks, looks like, like a Muppet. Bird yeah, freaking coming Dude, out. Dude, it is. Of a, it is like larger than a toddler. Yeah, like it is massive. It looks like a small dinosaur. Is what it looks like. So, so in related to this, uh, Gizmodo.com. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. So was his name, Gizmodo. No. <laughs> They asked the Gizmodo they, the chicken. Quasimodo. <laughs> they posted this video. And they said, how many chicken McNuggets are in a big chicken? So they did the math. I'm not going to read, read all of it because it's they talk about it. It's it, They think it's basically a Brahma chicken, which is sort of native to India. And it's like the biggest species of chicken. Yeah. Right? Traditionally kept as a pet. Who the fuck would want a chicken as a pet? How do you I don't eat know. the shit out of that? I, I my my son has multiple chickens <laughs> so, as pets. So, so their he question is, after him. how many chicken nuggets could you get out of this freak fucking bird? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so their conclusion is uh, Brahma chickens can weigh up to 18 pounds. If we convert the weight of one McNugget, which is 16 grams, into pounds, we're left with .035 pounds. So by simply dividing 18 by 0.035, we arrive at 510 chicken nuggets. Wow. Yeah, and some change in that chicken. Wow. Man. That's a lot of chicken nuggets, man. That thing is, it is ridiculously huge. Yeah. Like, and like that, until you see the video, and we'll post it on the feed, you really, it doesn't do it justice. No, it doesn't. Just to talk about mm-hmm. Chicken nugget. When you until you see this thing, it's huge. It would fuck you up. Like I mean, seriously. Like if you got chickens are mean, bro. It looks like it's looking for Michael's Peter chicken. Michael's it looks like it's looking for Peter Griffin. The yeah. chickens I have at my house, we've got we we've doubled up on our chickens. We've got more chickens now. Um, they are as one okay. does. I am never eating at Michael's house. <laughs> Why well, you, not? you can't. You, you can't. You just can't walk outside because there's chicken shit everywhere. There is a lot of chicken. <laughs> a lot shit. of chicken shit on his porch. A lot of it. You let so. him just run around your property like some savage Martinsville. What do you want me to pin him in? They're free range, bro. Uh, yes. No, there. You don't. We're not going to pin the chickens in just like a little. They'll they'll be fine. Oh my god, he's a total freaking redneck. Take it easy, god. Captain Planet. He has turned into a redneck. You gotta let. You're not gonna. They're not Mc Mc Chicken Nuggets. I didn't say put them in a tiny cage, but like, you give them a. 20 by 20 pin. That's a pretty good area to run around. They, they're fine. <laughs> how's, how's Diggory going to get in? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. Diggory, yeah. Uh, Diggory picks him up and loves him. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, one, I have one more story. One quick one here. Okay, um, of course you do. Eat a dick. Every one of you guys, you, both of you do multiple, don't, just don't even. He does like 10 stories a week. <laughs> he really does. Uh, teen admits he jumped into crocodile infested river to impress girl. Boy. This yeah, is I a, can think of a lot of ways to impress a girl. This is his picture. He looks. He. I would. If you were to give me a lineup of dudes. Yeah. And said that one of them jumped in a. It's that guy right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Pool. It's that guy. Uh, let, me see, does, let me see a picture. Uh, there's a playback error. Hold oh, on. I'll never mind. Um, so anyway, so it's not Florida. <laughs> God, it's not Florida, man. I'm, uh, ironically enough, it's Austra- really? Australian, man. Oh well. Oh. Which is, There's a lot of parallels between Florida right, man yeah, and Australia yeah. man. Oh, poor um, Beck. Anyway, said <laughs> so he jumped in. He said, "Holy crap! I'm gone for sure." It was all Australian backpacker Lee DePaul could think. He said when uh, when he found himself wrestling with a crocodile, if he jumped into a river to impress a woman, oh, um, shit. God. Uh, he described battling with the beast during the early hours of Sunday morning. At that point, I punched it in the snout. <laughs> The second As hit, one does. The second hit, I got it straight in the, straight in the eye, and then it let go. Uh, it all happened very fast. Pretty much as soon as he jumped in, there was splashing and screaming. Sophie Patterson, who is the girl in question, 
Uh, Hi, the, the teen escaped, but not without extensive injuries to his arm. You've seen Jaws, Patterson said. There was a lot of blood, a lot of bone. It was just pretty horrendous. Uh, even mm. after the traumatic experience, he appears to still be smitten with Patterson. He says they plan to see a movie together once he's released from the <laughs> hospital. So you got attacked by a, a crocodile just to see a movie she's, with a girl. She's Nailed beautiful. it. She's totally worked. She's totally beautiful, worked. caring, and kind. I didn't know there was a croc there, he said. I just, <laughs> I just done it for Sophie. Yeah, well. I done it for Sophie. How, how'd that work out for you there, uh, Lee? Yeah. So don't. I've done some dumb yeah, shit for women, not but do like, that. yeah, yeah. Man. If a girl's, if you have to impress a girl to jump into a river, it's probably time to start looking somewhere else. Yep. Yeah. What you got, Mikey? All right, I've got three. Um, oh, God. So <laughs> I told you. I always do. I always do a bunch. Um, so the first one is a product because I always like to, you know, advertise oh, products. Is this drunk mall again. It's not drunk mall, um, <laughs> but you can. Uh, it's on Amazon.com. It's crafting with cat hair. Oh, no, God. and you, you can make it's a book you can buy and learn how to craft with with cat hair, and you can actually it's got the look inside feature, so there's like finger puppets you can make with cat hair. It is creepy. I hate cats, man. <laughs> Don't I you have cats? I have two barn cats. I'm allergic to cats. Uh, my dad. I have a book called 101 Ways to to use a dead cat. 101 <laughs> uses for a dead cat. Wait, didn't you kill a bunch of cats when you were a kid? No, I killed a dog <laughs> once. It was an go, accident. I'm go ahead. Go God, ahead. why has go this ahead. story no. never been told? Go ahead and tell I that story. I feel like it has been no, told. No, it hasn't. <laughs> okay. I've intentionally not said anything because I, I didn't want you to be mad. This okay. is the best story ever. So, Michael's a fucking serial killer. Okay, so... When I was a kid, I went for all out. you. Michael's my favorite. This will right. end this. This is about to end there. Okay. Brad and I are back on the board. <laughs> Number one, like I'm sorry, Peta. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I, so I was a kid. I think I was like four years old, three or four. I I honestly don't remember this. I went over to my aunt's he house. Blacked out in a rage. <laughs> I totally blacked out in a rage. <laughs> went over to my aunt's house, and she was uh, she was like dog sitting these puppies they're very somebody else's dogs. somebody else's dogs oh not my even my God, aunt's I didn't dogs know that come to find out <laughs> these were like purebred dogs purebred oh, dog they were expensive dogs oh i had my no God. idea so my my aunt i have two cousins put that down are, the puppy lenny <laughs> my aunt <laughs> my aunt was watching these 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 dogs and i have two cousins that are my same age they're exactly a day older than i am so twins um, so we're over there, we're playing with the dogs and I decide in my three and a half, four year old mind that I was done playing with the dogs, So I threw it down and no, I did. You throw it against a wall. I threw it against a wall. <laughs> I did not know this. I, I found didn't out, know you could kill a dog <laughs> by throwing it really hard against a wall. I didn't know this till I was like 18. My family did not let me know this because they didn't want to like bring any fucking attention to it. <laughs> Because I killed a dog when I was a kid. Probably good that they didn't bring any attention to me to it, but holy shit. I'm a horrible person. Michael's a serial killer. I've not I've not killed anyone <laughs> since then. So you say. Um maybe if James you Comey, mice, if you're listening, check the floorboards, man. I tell you right now that Janet Walker's fucking screaming yeah. in her. Forget your now. forget your uh, your shit against Incubus. It yes. is on like Donkey yeah. Kong now. I she's yeah. gonna at you all day long on Thursday. Again, I don't remember it, 
I was just told this story, so it's not. It could just not be true. I'm he blacked out in joy. Yeah, it, it, I'm losing chunks of time, guys. I don't remember. I don't, don't remember what happened. All right, cat crafting with cat hair. There it is. Uh, the next one. Uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you did that story. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, ghost story coming up in October. Um, oh, hey. What you got going there, buddy? Just some... Is this your <laughs> 2,000 pounds of porn? No. <laughs> <laughs> they can't hear it. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. Um, That's too bad. So, uh, hair salon... It's, it's Michael's 2,000 pounds of porn. No, I don't have 2,000 pounds. <laughs> I, had, I had to say it that way. <laughs> I don't have 2,000 pounds. <laughs> of, uh, hair salon offers... I haven't s- weighed it yet. I got it. I got a scale. I'll let you know. (laughs) I don't own any porn. Why would I? It's all on the internet. Like, (laughs) who owns physical media? Come on, guys. Um, I only stream my porn. Yeah. Sure. Well, you have unlimited data now, so that works out for you. (laughs) You have unlimited data. Michael, huge hentai fan. (laughs) Just tentacle porn everywhere. Stop. All right. All right. (laughs) Have carpal tunnel. God, this just took a dark, dark <laughs> turn. <laughs> <laughs> What's he got next, buddy? All right, hair salon offers soothing python neck massage. I almost used this. No fucking way that's Dude, happening. They God, put a python around your neck. Eat shit. Yeah. Oh, what happens if it, that bad boy doesn't light up? Yeah, you die. You punch yeah. in the face. And it's not I, just on your neck. It's on the front of your I neck, too. God, I hate snakes. It is literally my number one fear. Yep. Like... By, it's not even close. Ugh, nope. I can't even watch them on TV, man. Fuck snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Ugh. that's it. And then here's here's the good one. Save the best for last. <laughs> you have another one. Missouri teen steals. Well, he he breaks into uh, somebody's house. They find three thousand dollars in cash, valuables, and they found a box that they thought was cocaine. I'm it was so ashes. Scared. Oh. They snorted oh. ashes, cremated remains. Oh, what's even worse is the people who did it. It was their grandfather. Oh, they sn- they they broke into somebody else else's house because somebody posted on Facebook they were on vacation. They broke into their house, snorted cocaine, and then they 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 were on the road. And finally, when they got down the road. They threw the ashes out of the car. Their grandfather. Yikes. I, I have no comment. Literally speechless. I have nothing to say to that. Oh That's... my God. Yep. Well, that'll traumatize a person. Yep. What the? <laughs> I, 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 I am literally speechless. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to it that. It doesn't happen often, but I am yep. literally speechless. Yep. That's pretty awful. So. What? Yeah. That's like a. That's like a B grade movie sort of joke. Like, wow, you know what I'm saying? It is. Yeah. That's like a terrible B grade comedy. Well, it's trope. it's like this. It's like if the Coen Brothers were hacks in the scene Man. in Lebowski where he's the ashes fly back yeah. on the dude's face. That's funny. This not so wow. much. Yeah. yeah, they snorted their grandfather. Oh man. Mm. It's going to take some therapy to get over that, mm. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. So here's some lessons to learn from this, guys. <laughs> oh, God. Don't post you're going on vacation on Facebook. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's that, too. Yeah. When people can just go into your house and steal stuff. 
Number two, when you do go break into your aunt's house, that's don't snort stuff. You don't know what it is. Man. I, I, I'd have no jokes. Like, I, I can't, can't even I think can't. of anything Man, to say to that. That like, is terrible. Yep. yep. Just fucking terrible. Yeah, thanks well, for bringing us down, Michael. All right. Glad, Kurt you <laughs> glad you say that one for last. Glad we're, glad we're moving into a really good interview with a really smart person. <laughs> yes. Let's try and redeem ourselves. Uh, Kurt Willems is. I ha- think that's that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> what? Redeeming ourselves. Yeah, we're yeah. not going to. Yeah. Kurt Willems. Sorry, buddy. Uh, here we go. Kurt Willems is a pastor at Pangea in Seattle, Washington. He's a curator of the Paulcast, found on iTunes and other great podcast apps, paulcast.org. Um, he is the author of the Pangea blog, pathios.com slash blogs slash the Pangea blog. And we're about to interview him. It's and really good. Yeah, we're I think super you guys stoked. Are really going to like this one. Yep. So with that, we go further up, further in. Yep. Further up, further in. Further up, further in. Yeah. Kurt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, happy to be here. Definitely. <laughs> We're pretty stoked to have you on. Um, so can you tell us a little bit of, of your story uh, for those who may be unfamiliar with you and, and kind of how did you become a pastor? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. This is great and uh, love uh, being part of cool conversations. You guys seem cool, so it should be fun. Um, I... The, illu- yeah. the illusion is complete. Yes. Yes. No, you've you've worked your uh, your voodoo on me in advance. I, I was wondering why my stomach was hurting and why I was bleeding out of weird orifices, but um, I'm good. So, so yeah, yeah. My story. I mean, in a nutshell, I um, I'm one of those guys who grew up in church culture. You know, not the yeah. worst of it. I hear there's a pretty terrible version of it. I was kind of. Uh, spared of the worst of the worst, I guess. But What's your favorite DC Talk album? <laughs> oh, dude. That's dude. not till the end, Michael. You can't do that till the end. I'm just trying to see how legit you are. <laughs> I mean, I did go to the Free at Last tour. Nice. Um, not that I... I was taken by a relative, so it wasn't my thing per se, but I did like new thing, I guess. I don't know. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a little DC Talk, I (laughs) guess, back there somewhere, but I tried to avoid that. I was much more into evil secular music, and part of my becoming a good Christian was having a bonfire with all of my CDs. Like, Especially Green Day, the evil, evil Green Day back then. Um, Well, somebody's got to burn, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I was introduced to MXPX, and apparently that was redemptive. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, backstory, I grew up in a Mennonite church, but very much evangelical, conservative, Republican, all those kind of labels you might throw on uh, typical evangelical experience. Um, very, very much influenced by my youth group and I went to a private Christian high school. So those two things came together, I would say more positively than anything. Of course, I've had to deconstruct and wrestle with some of the maybe teachings or beliefs or cultural myths and all of that. But, you know, I look back and I'm like, you know what? Those teenage years were actually pretty formative, pretty good for the most part. And, uh, during my uh, end of sophomore into junior year, I was at camp and felt a really clear call into ministry and um, still really believe that was a kind of a God experience. I, I didn't have categories for charismatic or anything like that, but if that exists, I definitely would say that was 
what I experienced, something that was outside of my norm. Um, and so kind of through the back end of high school, basically had some cool opportunities, led to internships in college and uh, got a Bible degree along the way, went to seminary, all of that stuff. I spent, man, what was it? Like seven years in youth ministry um, through, you know, some of that was in college, but uh, yeah, and it was good. It was fine. I'd say during my 20s, I started really asking some questions and deconstructing quite a bit. There's this whole conversation in the early 2000s called the Emerging Church, yeah. which basically yeah. was like Witch Hunt Central, where yeah. I was from. You know, <laughs> yeah. Brian McLaren was yeah. the Antichrist, and Rob Bell was his prophet or yep. something. Yep. And uh, yep. and so you know, I I lived in that land a little bit, and, uh, still thoroughly evangelical, I would say, in a lot of ways, but that led me to N.T. Wright and. Uh, you know, all that stuff. And so eventually being in ministry got hard. Uh, I was at a Baptist church, my first full-time gig. And, you know, when you're in your early 20s and you get your first full-time gig and you can finally get married and, you know, all the cool things that come with that. Uh, it's like, whoa, I've arrived. And right. then you realize that your theological convictions and the way you think about church just don't fit. And increasingly, the pressure of the system pushes in on you. Um, I you hate it when that you know? happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Man, yeah. you're basically describing our entire journey. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I was sadly, just going to say, I can't relate to any of that. Yeah, my, church yeah, yeah. my church experience was perfect. I don't know what you guys <laughs> right, were talking about. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, it was fun, you know, being told that uh, I had to grow a ministry by this percentage within three months or else uh, I wasn't good enough. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that, yeah. you know, just that BS that just like, you know, I think there's something more to the kingdom than this kind of crap. And by the way, if you would draw more parents into your big fancy <laughs> right. show, I would have a little bit of help here. guys. It's like, so, it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> yeah, it is. Good grief. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was at a church of like 1700. So there's, and it was during the recession that started going on. So, you know, there's just all of those pressures. Uh, they'd oh, spent millions on a building that uh, was finalized. And then months later, recession hit. And so I just became one of the victims of uh, a system that many have in their own way, like you guys. And um, by the end of that, you know, I started a seminary in there and uh, was going part time. And that was giving me life uh, academically, but also spiritually and was, uh, increasingly becoming what I call Anabaptist, which some people know mm -hmm. what that is. It's basically a tradition in the Christian, uh, stream that emphasizes things like nonviolence, community, yeah. justice, blah, blah, blah. So, so as that happened, simultaneously, I was told a no more seminary and B you, my friend, um, are getting a little too out there for us. By the way, we're starting a series. You want to know what it is? Seven things every Christian needs to know about oh. the founding of America. Oh. So, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> this is in Cali, right? Like, this is oh. not like some small Indiana. village. You know, yeah, Indiana. <laughs> you know, the, uh, people like are just blown away sometimes when I tell them this is California, but there's a Bible belt in California. It's called the central Valley. I'm from there. And so, um, yeah. And so this is all kind of part of my journey, uh, in ministry. And, uh, if I were to just kind of get through a few more years there, I basically transitioned out of that church, um, into a church that was much healthier in a lot of ways, same size, but relational, not 
pragmatic as much, missional and focused. Um, still in a community that wasn't ready for the things I was wrestling with, but I, you know, I'm never was one of those guys who's like, I'm going to tell everyone in the church what they should think because I've finally figured it out because I'm so progressive or I'm so cool or I've read enough, uh, of Velvet Elvis like five times and now I can tell <laughs> about Jewish things or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, you know, and so eventually what ended up happening is I was starting a blog and this blog was not even that big. It wasn't a big deal, but someone found out about it somehow, even though my last name wasn't even associated with it, got on my mailing list and was like, Hey, he said things that I don't like, like healthcare is a good idea for people or uh, <laughs> like, like burning the Quran in the middle of New York city is a bad idea. Right. You know, like, like I was just wrestling with stuff. I was in my mid twenties just trying to figure this crap out. And um, eventually that led to drama and, uh, long story short, uh, ended up losing a job at that church and it wasn't the pastoral staff that pushed me out. They loved me. It was uh, a board that was afraid that I was going to bring more dissension to a church that was struggling with all kinds of transition. And since then we've reconciled, it's all good, but that's kind of where the journey goes. By then I was already called, uh, in my you know, in my experience of what calling might be to plant a church. Uh, and basically they were going to be my sending church and then magically they weren't. And so, uh, yeah, wrestled and struggled. 2011 sucked for that reason. And, uh, but it was that same year that the blog started taking off, you know, I had kind of decelerated blogging and then when I got the word that, hey, your job's going to end at the end of the fiscal year, I was like, all right, well, then I'll just try a little on the blog. And it blew up the next month. Uh, Patheos picked it up. You know, all this cool stuff happened. Nice. Um, and so it was kind of like affirming, even though it kicked the crap out of me in the process, you know, and my wife, my poor wife just was like, this is what church is. This sucks. Yeah, like, yeah. you did like crazy. Yep. We, we've had to unpack that for years, you know, um, because this was the this wasn't the crazy church. This was the church that was supposed to be the accepting one, you know? And, uh, and yeah. And so we found ourselves, uh, in a situation where mentors still cheered us on. We found a sister denomination, the brethren in Christ. Uh, Actually, they found us and, uh, have supported us ever since. And then in 2013, we came out to Seattle from California and we planted, uh, Pangea, which is our, our church that's been around now for about, a year and a half, a little more than that. So, um, yeah, it's been quite the interesting process and there's tons out of that story that I didn't tell you, but that's the basic narrative. Cool. Very cool. Okay. So let's dive into Paul. That's why we have you on here. (laughs) I Um, know. know. um, We appreciate that story. I I think we, and I think the majority of our listeners can relate to, I was going to say, I was doing like a checklist. I'm like, me, (laughs) me, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, so, uh, and, and a lot of people don't survive even faith after those situations. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I just, if any of those listeners are out there, like I just empathize with you. I get yep. it. It's, um, I don't know if you curse a lot on this program, oh, but it's oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> you, can, you can lift <laughs> the cursing ban. Explicit, yes. Warning. So yeah. anyway, but you, you know, I, I'm with you guys, and I get it. Yeah. yeah. So we have this little community with this podcast. Um, it's a little closed Facebook group that we're that people, they donate to our Patreon. They get to be part of this anyway. And oh, from, cool. from time, anybody can post and there's all these good discussions for, so from time to time, Paul comes up 
Um, and he gets a little bit of heat. Actually, he gets a lot yeah. of heat. Um, and you've you've committed some time and resources to studying Paul. You have a it's called the Paulcast. You have a, a, a cast or podcast called the Paulcast. Um, and we've got a few atheists and agnostics that may be sort of unfamiliar with Paul. Um, so at a basic level, who is Paul and what what really intrigues you about him and sort of got you to start this podcast about him? No, that's a that's a great question. So, I mean, I would say to answer the latter half of that question, um, I didn't think I was ever going to have like a podcast. I mean, outside of like sermons or whatever, I, yeah. I didn't think that uh, this was my deal. Uh, but I did do a lot of blogging and then that faded, uh, quite a bit when we moved here and started a church and all that, you know, just got to pick your priorities. Right. But, uh, in that process of moving out here, I applied to the university of Washington, um, and said, you know, if I'm going to be bivocational for a season, what if I was bivocational intentionally so that if I have to be bivocational permanently down the road, maybe I can do some stuff that I actually enjoy and, you know, in ministry, uh, for those who might not be familiar, bivocational is like, we can't quite pay you full time, but we need <laughs> someone to run the stuff. So we're yes, going to pay yeah. you like not full time, yeah. but expect you to do a lot of stuff. So anyway, yeah. um, and so I thought ah, more education might be wise. And so I uh, got into this program at UW in comparative religion. Basically, I studied classics and early Christianity um, in a research context, which is just fun. Um and I got there thinking I was going to do the Apocalypse of John Revelation, and that was going to be sort of my deal. Got a quarter into it and was like, ah, that was fun. I pretty much know that now. Um, maybe I can move <laughs> on, <laughs> which I don't. But I was just kind of like, you know, I scratched that itch. I've got a bookshelf full of things if I want to keep going or preach it or whatever. But um, I fell into a situation where there was one lecture, one class that involved Paul. And it was resources that I was like, I really enjoy this angle from my professor, my mentor professor, and I actually click here. And, uh, and so ended up actually just saying, I'm going to throw all of my eggs into the Paul basket. And so I did, which is kind of odd for me, uh, because as an Anabaptist, if you guys know anything about that tradition, we're all about like the gospels and Jesus being like the thing we focus on. And yeah. then in, within that, it's the sermon on the Mount is the thing, right? you know, the love your enemies bit. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Paul is kind of like counterintuitive in a lot of ways. But what I've found is that against the grain of uh, popular perception, which we'll talk about more, I assume, yeah. uh, Paul is actually a pretty radical thinker. And one thing I've just really come to believe about Paul is that he is not your sort of like anti-everyone rigid dogmatist that people think he is. He's actually, if I understand Paul within his first century context as a Jewish teacher who's traveling to these foreign nations talking about a new king who has shown up and his name isn't Caesar, uh, I, I'm pretty intrigued by this guy. I mean, he got beat up for a reason and it wasn't because he was telling people they had to live by some set of rules, you know? Uh, so I really have found that Paul's essential basic message in the first century was there is a man named Jesus who was in some sense, the embodiment of Israel's God. And because he walked out of a grave, everything is different. Right. Yeah. Uh, the way we, the way we treat women is different. The way we treat each other is different. The way we treat slaves is different. Yeah. And, uh, 
And it looks a lot different than the Roman Empire. And it even looks different than Second Temple Judaism in some ways, especially if you're a Gentile, especially if you're a non-Jew. Um, and so for me, that's inspiring. Like if I can capture the vision after I get through all the clutter of 2000 years of interpretive <laughs> bias, yeah. I, I'm like this first century Paul's one I can get behind. The one that comes around later after people have read him and reread him. Yeah, he's kind of annoying. But what if we did good historical work and found there's a really cool guy in here? Not perfect, but cool. You know, yeah. and that's kind of what I do. Awesome. So that kind of leads to I, the biggest flashpoint anytime Paul comes up in our in our we call it the pastor's pub anytime Paul comes up especially a lot of our female listeners jump on Paul being a misogynist which I totally get I mean I think yeah you know everybody knows at this point you can pretty much make the Bible say anything you want the Bible to say um, and I think a lot of our female listeners growing up in conservative households have had in churches have had Paul's teaching shoved down their throats as to why they should mm-hmm. shut up, why they should just be good little women that pop out babies and do the dishes. So, mm-hmm. which I think, in fairness, you can make Paul say that. So, I think I it's, guess in, it's in First Corinthians, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Doing right. dishes and popping yeah. out babies. That's how I mean, the actual. That's how the actual. Yeah, in one Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. how. Uh, that's how the Greek, the ancient Greek, actually reads. Um, so, I guess just a straight up question: So, is Paul a misogynist? No, uh, I I don't think so. And now I can understand why he's got that rep, kind of sure. like you've said, right? Like the do the dishes, stay in your place. This whole like we've got spheres, this sort of like Victorian women have the house and men have the public space, you know. And uh, yeah, it's very fascinating how much culture shapes how we read the Bible. And And I'm probably victim to it in my own way. So I'm always trying to wrestle with that. But no, I think uh, when you read Paul in his world, uh, Paul's saying some really radical things. Like in Galatians, for instance, he says things like, there's neither slave nor free, male nor female, Greek nor, you know, like these are, these are radical claims. And uh, there's some weird things in there, for instance, and uh, first Corinthians chapter 14, women ought to be quiet in the churches, right? Like, yeah, that's a, very weird. Uh, we have two options there, though. I mean, option one is that it's actually a little piece of text that floats around in the manuscript tradition. And so it may not even really be Paul, and there's more to unpack there. Right. Uh, and this is just standard scholarship. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to know about that argument. It's kind of like uh, just one of those things you kind of learn uh, as you study. I, the other thing is, if it really belongs there, we have, we have to ask the question, like, there's probably something culturally conditioned happening yeah. because three chapters earlier in chapter 11, he's talking about women speaking in church through prophecy and like they have a voice. So like, do they get to talk or do they not? Because you just said they got to talk, right? So, so we've got to really like not allow a set of sort of um, modern, patriarchal, repackaged hipster, Calvinistic-ish theology, whatever, sort of tell us what to think about Paul. We've really got to go back into his world and try and say, so how would they hear this? And where are our blind spots, you know? And uh, at the end of the day, no, Paul's not a misogynist. In fact, I think Paul is all about liberating women for ministry. I think he wants women to be liberated in the house. Um, You know, I don't think uh, it 
fits exactly our 21st century sensibilities mm-hmm. because it's just different, right? Yeah. He's dealing with a different context. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, Paul has this idea that women can actually lead men and it's okay. And it's actually a good thing. And it's not up to men to control that. And so, uh, yeah, it is a miss. It is a misunderstanding at best that has led us to think Paul's a misogynist. And I, I realize we've got to unpack so many cultural things there. But on the base level, uh, I, you know, and one of my convictions is I don't go into the New Testament saying, well, you know, I really hope that God accepts gay people. And I really hope that God accepts women. And I really hope that God's really nice. Um, so I'm going to go find all of the things that affirm whatever I feel. I really try and get into Paul's world and say, what does Paul's world and Paul's voice actually have to say? And then push him into the 21st century yeah, and be right. honest about that, you know? Yep. So, um, so yeah, no, I personally would say, I think Paul is, uh, quite innovative for his time in all kinds of ways. So, yeah. So what you, you know, so basically what you're saying is if Paul was very revolutionary in first century, in his first century context. So how, you know, how do we push that to be revolutionary now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I mean, uh, if you look at the world of um, just gender and power in the first century, right? So like virtue is something in the Roman world that only men can have. And uh, yet Paul is like, well, you're the, you sit at the same table. So what if you all had access to these virtues? I'll call them the fruit of the spirit, for instance. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. You mean women in Galatians can have the same virtues that men have. And this is right after he said, uh, male, female slave free. Like everyone has access to virtue, not just, you know, the men who have Roman citizenship who are at the top of the pyramid, actually the pyramids demolished in Paul's theology and thought. And so, um, yeah, women aren't just weak vessels that are ready to, um, make men trip up into temptation all the time and have all of the weight of, uh, you know, all the baggage of being just sort of housewives or whatever. They are free insofar that they are able to lead and teach and do all of those things. And when we get clues that Paul's like, be quiet in this particular setting, it's probably conditioned by something local than a universal prohibition. And we have to ask that question. So, yeah. And I, it's, I, I've, you know, over the years I have my thinking on Paul has changed. I used to be kind of the same way of I went through, when I was started to deconstruct, I really had a hard time with Paul until I started looking at his context. And, you know, I remember thinking, so like if he's just a, affir- if he's just affirming Rome's culture and, you know, his Jewish cultural values, especially towards women, especially, you know, towards mm-hmm. different groups, yeah. they really wouldn't be imprisoning and beating the shit out of him constantly. No, no. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be no right. reason for them to buck against him if he's just right. validating their already held thoughts on women and all that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, the guy is beaten multiple times, shipwrecked. I mean, he really believed this revolutionary message and he believed he had a direct vision of the risen Jesus, right? And this drives him everywhere to say Jesus is Lord. And when Jesus is Lord, the world looks radically different. In fact, you might flip it upside down a little bit and it looks opposite of what Rome wants it to be. So let's, so you mentioned, you mentioned his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus road. Um, Yeah. 
I think one of the problems, you know, I th- all three of us have had this discussion. I think one of the problems that people have with Paul is that they sort of read him, and I know I've done this, they read him as a religious moralist, almost like a new law. And I know, mm-hmm. you know he talks about grace, and, and we always talk about, well, grace over law, but when we read Paul, and a lot of people, I mean, especially, you know, in the LGBT debate, like, people are using Paul as a new law. And so, yeah, and not reading him as a mystic, he has this mystical experience on the road with Jesus. So... I mean, how do you classify? Do you, is he a moralist? Is he a mystic? Is he does he just not fall into a specific category? Is he some third thing? Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, and I think, I think these are questions that we need to keep pushing. Um, I honestly, I would say he's more mystic than moralist. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I don't think he's just a mystic. I don't want to put him in just like that category. Uh, I think he has mystical experiences and we need to take those seriously, especially his encounter uh, with the risen Christ. And of course, like we have two accounts of that. We have the account that Paul actually shares in Galatians chapter one. And then we have the account that the writer of the the book of Acts has to tell us, which is a little more uh, novelistic, I would say. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that I've learned about studying Paul is you always go to Paul first. And you see if Paul's voice confirms Acts and don't take Acts as a hard history. Um, and so, so there's some interesting play and nuance even there. However, uh, you know, if you look at the whole picture, uh, he has some really mystical encounters, right? Uh, if we take the domestic road, we take the uh, third heaven weird stuff or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like these. So, so I really do believe he's a mystic, but here's how I would categorize Paul. I would say that it's his encounter with the risen Jesus that make him in a lot of ways, a prophet, uh, and a pastor and a wise missiologist, right? So prophet in the sense that he believes that the message and mission of Jesus was to open the doors for the nations to come into Israel's covenant with God. And so, so that's a really big deal. And in fact, it's such a big deal that um, he's willing to bank everything on it. I mean, his ethical grid, even if we're talking about Paul's morals, there's this phrase that gets thrown around in Pauline scholarship. We call it interim ethics, right? So like Paul believes that something cataclysmic has happened through Jesus's resurrection, but that something cataclysmic is about to happen. And he doesn't know the time frame. And as he gets older, you get these clues that maybe it won't happen within his lifetime. But early on, you really sense that within Paul's lifetime, those of us who are still around will see Jesus come back, you know, and do something cataclysmic here. And so he's like, if you're married, uh, stay married, of course. But if you're not married, you don't need to be married. Like it's <laughs> it's the end of the age, you know. Uh, and so a lot of those things that we've hyper moralized or tried to sit with in ways that we've made rules. Paul's not making rules. He's making like observations on the fly as he's trying to help cultivate these new communities of Gentiles that are now invited to worship Israel's God without having to follow the Torah mandates, right? Right. Uh, but but here's here's really something that I think is super important as we categorize Paul. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stop this question with this thing. It's we've gotten Paul wrong when we pin law versus grace. Mm-hmm. We, we've absolutely missed it. Uh, that's very Lutheran. That's very Calvin. That's very Reformed. That's very Augustinian. But it's not very first century. Uh, first century Paul 
is not even a legalist. Uh, Paul is part of the second temple religion, no doubt. But for him, everything about being part of Israel's community, or we use the word covenant, right, is an act of God's grace. You don't earn your access to this covenant. You don't earn favor with God. You get the snip snip, you know, the first week of your life and uh, you're automatically Jewish. You didn't do anything to earn that. Someone snipped your stuff, but that's it. <laughs> right. Like, like you. And if you're a, if you're a girl, you didn't do anything like literally nothing has happened to you except that you were born in the right family. This is utterly God's grace. And all of these codes, all of these 616, whatever they are, right? Like yeah. all of these are simply to help guide you so that you as a good Jew know that you are staying within the covenant that was already gracefully provided for you. It is grace. The Hebrew religion is grace. It is not law. It is not legalism. And it's not earning something to get to heaven when you die. You're already in from day one. Hmm. Now you could walk away, but who would, you know, that's not a normal thing. You're in unless you opt out. And, uh, and so in the first century, when Paul's like, why would you circumcise your kids, your Gentiles? It's that kind of big eschatological, that's end times, right? Yeah, Vision right. of the end of the age has arrived in Jesus. He wants to say, look, the prophets have been looking at this for a long time. And if you go snip your parts, you become Jewish. You don't even need to be Jewish because here's the deal. The prophets have already said, you guys are going to worship Israel's God as international people, not as Jewish people. So you don't have to do all the stuff we do, but we're going to keep on doing it, adopt Jesus as our Messiah. But if you start, you know, becoming Jewish, you're deconstructing everything Jesus died for. Yeah. And so there is this sense that Paul's urgency is really driving him. And so he's telling Gentiles, all of the letters, basically just to Gentiles. And he's saying, look, Gentiles, you don't have to do the same things that we Jews have done. Um, you're already in, but you're in because Jesus was faithful on your behalf. Which and goes, so, yeah, yeah. Which, which goes back to the, you know, there's no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, right. all are one in Christ Jesus. Right, well, right. And, and it's, is it essentially, yeah. I mean, is that, is that basically what Paul's getting at when he, I think it's in Romans where he talks about, you know, the, the grafting of the Gentiles into the, into the olive tree. Is that essentially mm -hmm. what he's doing? He's just saying, look, you guys are in because of Jesus, period, full stop. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and full stop in such a way that um, watch out, don't get arrogant. Just because some of the Jewish folks don't believe right now, a day will come when Jesus will be revealed to them once and for all. And you're not going to have a special favor because they were first. Uh, you know, it's pretty harsh language. <laughs> Paul seems to really think that in the end, all Israel will be saved. And what that seems to mean is that those faithful Jewish covenantal people who do or don't recognize Jesus in this life will probably come to recognize Jesus in the next life. And so don't get, don't get too cocky guys. Uh, just cause you don't have to do the snip snip doesn't mean that God isn't like holding you to high account. So, so is Paul a universalist? Paul, Paul is almost a universalist. I'm not going to say he's a <laughs> Paul, I don't think Paul thinks in the, I don't think every time Paul uses the word salvation or saved, he's thinking about individual souls going to a place yeah, called heaven. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think he has time to construct that kind of category. I think he does believe that there will be some who choose death as their final outcome, that they, they just simply will refuse 
that Jesus could be who Jesus is, at least as Paul sees him. And in the end, we'll say, you know, um, even, even this end times, you know, if Jesus comes back and there's like a resurrection or whatever that Paul seems to believe in, uh, I still really don't want this thing Jesus is offering. Uh, Paul seems to think, you know, you, you, you won't have a place in the new creation, but everyone else who doesn't opt out will probably seem to have an opportunity to opt in, right? They, they may barely make it. It may be like there's flames on their asses or getting through, <laughs> but they're, they're getting through, right? And so, so if you're not burned up, you're in. And so, so no, I don't believe in, uh, I don't think Paul believes in eternal hell. Um, but I'm not quite willing to say that Paul wants to be a sweeping universalist either, because that would be coercive. That'd be saying, God's going to make you go into the thing that you still don't want. Um, I don't think Hitler's going to want reconciliation yeah, with God. Right. I just don't. Yeah. So what's uh, the, what's the over under yeah. on Trump wanting? Do we, <laughs> yeah, do we yeah, know yeah, the over under yeah. on that? What are the Vegas <laughs> odds on that? You know, uh, depends on if he gets a cooler tower in the new creation. Does his tower outreach both Babel and the New Jerusalem's tower? Right. So it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge if tower. it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so so I guess like. Yeah, he's got a chance, but God's probably going to be like, bro, see ya, you're out, right? But whatever, I, you know, I'm not God, and that's probably a good idea. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's just kind of a long rant to say uh, Paul is much more interesting than 2,000 years of tradition and then sort of modern secularism, and I don't mean that in like a pejorative sense, mm-hmm, just a right. general mm-hmm. category, sure. uh, has let him be. And, and again, modern secularism in whatever form it may come has reacted probably in some sense rightly to a very confused Paul that's been handed down through tradition. Awesome. Um, so we, like I said, we, we, um, we do have a lot of people who uh, are in this pastor's pub. Um, yeah. And they, we, they, they knew you were coming on. They knew that we were going to talk about this based on, you know, the fact that it's a topic that keeps coming up. Um, so we laid it out, and, and we got several questions. Um, so this is a question from uh, our listener, Brad Seifert. I think it goes kind of in, in line with what you were saying, but can you talk right. about Paul in the Jewish context? Mm-hmm. Uh, Saul slash Paul was a rabbi uh, who had a famous, brilliant rabbi um, that yeah. he was following. Gamaliel. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard word. I can barely say it. Which means that, um, that, that Paul is brilliant if he gets to study with him. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how uh, those things shape our modern perception of, of Saul slash Paul? Yeah, yeah. So, well, first of all, I think our modern perception has failed to see the Jewish Paul as he would have been. Um, and, and that's a huge problem, right? right? If we presuppose that he's a legalist, a moralist, we've missed the Jewish Paul because no good first century Jew was a legalist or a moralist. Um, those things were in place so that they had assurance that they were in the covenant, not so that they stayed in the covenant. It, it was, was, about like, it was like, a, like a hedge of protection, essentially. I think I've heard it, it yeah. described as a hedge. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, that works. And until you start praying all Pentecostal and start saying hedge of protection, <laughs> then it gets really weird. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, the metaphor as you're using, it probably works. And yeah, I would say that uh, his first century context, you know, there's this thinker, his name's E.P. Sanders, who basically kickstarted what we call the new perspective on Paul. Mm-hmm. And in a nutshell, what Sanders said was, 
that um, the religion of the first century Jewish people was grace. And we need to take that really seriously. And so in Jesus, what you have in the first century world is the sense that the things that um, the things that were impossible to allow Gentiles to come in are no longer necessary for Gentiles to come in, right? right. And how we work that out is very different. But uh, beyond just understanding that the Jewish thing was grace from the beginning and that God didn't ha- invent grace by killing Jesus or something weird, right? right. But it's always <laughs> been around. Um, then we can start asking the question about you know, his training and some of these things. Yeah, I, I would say Paul was a rabbi, at least in like the, in a very loose sense of the term. Rabbi is really a term that in technical scholarship isn't appropriate until you get the rabbinic teachers in the second century, the temple's been destroyed and you have like the rabbis, right? Yeah. Um, but there are these like loose traveling teachers that we can kind of call rabbis in a sense. And Paul would be one of those. Jesus would be one of those. Um, Gamaliel, I guess, would be one of them as well. And all I'll say there is we, I, I, I take Acts pretty seriously. And so I think Paul did study with him. I think that's all probably legit. But I'm also comfortable with the fact that the nuances of that are really hard to dig at because Paul never mentions that himself. Um, he does say he was a Pharisee. And in fact, I would argue, and we don't have time to break this all down, I would argue that Paul's a Pharisee who follows Jesus. Hmm. Um, he doesn't get rid of Phariseeism. Uh, he uses his Phariseeism to actually interpret what he experiences of the resurrected Jesus and how it applies to the nations. Um, you don't get a Paul who is authentically Paul if he's no longer a Pharisee. Um, Pharisee is not a bad word if you understand the relationship it had to first century Judaism and was trying, it was a revival movement. It was actually the progressive revival movement right. of the people. Yeah. Um, so these studies of like Barna where it's like, Hey, signs that people are becoming Pharisees because they're so legalistic in Christian churches because they say things like don't smoke, drink and chew and go with girls who do, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it's just crap. That's lies, right? That's not Paul. Like that's not old Paul versus new Paul or Saul versus Paul. Um, so, so yeah, uh, th- there's some interesting things there, but I think we, at the end of it all can say that the Jewish context is being revived through thinkers like um, the New Perspective Scholarship, and then something called Paul Within Judaism or the Radical New Perspective. And I situate myself sort of in between those two kind of camps. Yeah. So Paul, this is another question from a couple of our listeners. They had a similar question. Um, They want to know who was Paul's publicist because he gets a fairly substantial amount of real estate in the New Testament for his writings. And I know it wasn't like Paul sat down and goes, I think I'll write the New Testament today. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he was writing letters to specific churches, just as any one of us would write a letter to to somebody or to about specific things. Um, yeah. What was what's so special about his writings compared to his contemporaries? You know, why did he get so much real estate out of this? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I I've often wondered that. I mean, I've often wondered, even uh, yeah, like I would love to have the same amount of material from Peter, for instance. Like that'd be pretty yeah, right, interesting. Right. Like especially since like the at least the Western Church decides that he's a big deal, and yet we have very little from him. And uh, yeah, so it gets very interesting. I think um, I, I guess without having time to really 
unpack and think about this? It's a great question. I, I'll simply say this, that Paul's encounter with the resurrected Jesus, plus his mission to the Gentiles, gives him sort of the bandwidth to need uh, to need to produce a lot of writing. And so I, I guarantee there's way more Paul wrote that we'll never have access to, that right, get lost, right. get burned, that get, you know, destroyed. There's at least four Corinthian letters and we only have two of them, right. you know? And so, yeah. uh, and that's just from references within the ones we have, we know this. And so, you know, it's one of those things where uh, Paul, by necessity, as a good missionary. And uh, that word is just full of baggage. And I realized right. that, but it's a good person seeking to like say a better king is in town and it's good news for you. Um, that Paul uh, probably is just writing like crazy because he's trying to make sure that this apocalyptic movement has something to move forward with. So it doesn't become just another good idea that failed, you know? And, uh, so he's passionate about communicating and he's he's a pastor at the end of the day and he can't be with all of them at the, one time. So it's not right. really that Paul was better than someone else. It was that Paul had more necessity to write it all down. And uh, so it gets preserved, I think. Um, was so, he the first pastor of like a satellite church? <laughs> yeah, the first satellite yeah, yeah. Church? so he, he launched the multi-site movement. That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, his... Uh, his uh, churches should have been named after him. It would probably have been way better branding because it'd be <laughs> unanimous. But uh, yeah, yeah, like he's definitely, if we can use the term bishop in a loose sense, like he's the mm -hmm. bishop. He's the sure. overseer of all these communities. So what do you do when you're not around and you don't have a telephone? Well, you write a shit ton of letters, right? Yeah, right. yeah. So that's honestly, I think the best answer, it has less to do with Paul being better than all the other apostles and more to do with the needs in the first century, if I were to kind of just sit with it. Hmm. So uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, if you could expand on it, if you could. What role did his context and the context of his congregations play in forming his theology and writings? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, Really huge. I think he's running, <laughs> burning at both ends or whatever, whatever <laughs> metaphor you want, right? Yeah. Like he's writing all kinds of stuff. And so I think at the end of the day, he's he realizes that he is in a pluralistic world where not only do you have the Roman religion that says these emperors are divine in some sense, and when they die, they're really divine. And where Augustus is being worshipped now in all kinds of places, especially near the Mediterranean, in Ephesus, in these areas of um, what we'd call Turkey now. You know, this is a, a crazy world. And Paul's just this tiny little voice speaking in. And so I think uh, his context is really sort of important. I, I would imagine Paul goes to the synagogue communities in all of these places because Judaism has spread right. for all kinds of reasons. And so I think he's looking for low-hanging fruit, for instance, where there's Gentiles who are interested in Judaism, but aren't quite sure they want to have a surgical procedure done without anesthetic. <laughs> really can't blame him <laughs> so, for that yeah, one, yeah. Yeah. Here, yeah, bite this so, leather belt. Yeah, yeah. Really yeah, love yeah. Jesus, really want my penis intact. Not yeah. sure what to do. Yeah, and of course, it's against the rules to drink alcohol, so they have to have grape juice, because that's what wine was in the first century. <laughs> <laughs> right? so, so they're like, dude, this grape juice isn't really helping. Um, and so... 
So yeah, like why go through that with grape juice and leather in your mouth when Paul can come to town and say, look, low hanging fruit, I'll help you out. I'll help uh, keep your genitals intact. Here's what you got to do. This guy named Jesus has been faithful to God's vision that the nations have an entry point. And uh, it's, it's by grace, just like it is for us Jews who experience all of this in childhood. So come be a part of this. And so that context takes on different forms depending on dominant influences in the area, right? If you're in an area where it's Roman emperor worship central, you're going to have to deal with those questions that arise. Or if there's questions surrounding the cult of Artemis, for instance, where women are being elevated in interesting ways, right? right. Like, like, well, what do we do here, Paul? And even uh, whether we take a passage like First Timothy 2, which is so controversial and uh, I just did a, an episode on this actually this week. So it's fresh. Like, you you know, we take that passage where it's like women don't get to say stuff in the church. They should learn from their husbands, blah, 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 or learn from the men. Don't teach men, all of that stuff. <laughs> something, um, something about childbearing, saving them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Childbearing, yeah. save. Yeah, all that weird stuff. I, you know, without giving uh, 20 minutes on a very hard text, <laughs> like, like, Artemis cult is all around in Ephesus. And what do you do in that situation? Well, women are fired up. There's also a movement called the New Roman Women during this time that uh, are kind of like the, I don't know, I hate this image, but like the flappers or something in the 20s. Like, <laughs> they're, they're going for it, you know? And and Paul has to interject and say, hey, uh, I know that patriarchy is a problem usually, but inverting it to matriarchy isn't helpful either because it's about equality, not about one over the other. Mm. And so Paul's like, hey, like if women have questions, you don't have to just get in, uh, get in and fight for it. I know you're uneducated most of the time in our context. So learn like and they should be allowed to learn in submission to God. And don't don't let them be in a situation where they're deceived because they don't have opportunities to learn, you know. And so there's context shapes all of the ways we ask questions um, in any day. And I think Paul's wrestling with those. And as a side note, I should say, just in case, because I know there's some sharp listeners here, um, I am not necessarily convinced that Paul wrote 1 Timothy, but if he did, I think that's the dynamic he's dealing with. And if it was a Pauline disciple honoring Paul through carrying on the Pauline tradition, I think it's probably still the dynamic he's re- that person is wrestling with. So, um, yeah, so I think context really shapes everything. There are things that I think are worth universalizing in Paul, but then they're universalized throughout the letters, right? And uh, then there's some things that we look at and we say, this feels inconsistent with most of what we know of him, but context does shape real concerns. And we don't have both sides of the correspondence, so we have to assume there's something behind the thing that we see here. Damn, that's really good stuff. Yeah, so wow. and that actually leads to the very next question somebody asked, and I thought this was a good question, and you may have just said you have no idea. Um, yeah. Is there any scholarship on the other side of these letters? Do we have any information available about what the churches wrote to Paul or if they wrote to Paul? Do we have anything ooh, ooh. at all? I wish. <laughs> I mean, I wish more than anything, you know, within letters occasionally, and I can't, I wish I could pull out the references out of my head, but I don't know them off the top. But like, there are moments when Paul says something and you think quotation marks belong around it because he's like saying something of the philosophy or the question of right. the letter he's yeah. received. I think in the Corinthian correspondence, you get a lot of this or in 
in Romans, there's a whole chunk of the first part of Romans where you have like Paul dialoguing with at least a metaphorical um, what we would call interlocutor, which is just like a conversation partner. Mm-hmm. So Paul is actually like in dialogue with someone. So some of what is in Romans may not actually be Paul's opinion, but the opinion of this other sort of um, cast character in Paul's letter. And there's like a dialogue happening back and forth. So Paul can get to his point about Christian unity and about um, Gentiles not being arrogant is basically the whole thrust of the letter. Um, and so, so yeah, I think... There's probably clues, but as far as good scholarship about beyond, behind the scenes, it's mostly historical reconstruction that we do because we mm. don't have access to the other email, you know, in the chain or whatever. Mm, got awesome. It. Um, so we got one last question, and then we want to go yeah. into a lightning I've round. I've got I got one following yours. Oh, you, one following two, yours. Oh yeah, two hey, more I'm last writing questions. it down right now. Yeah, okay. do it. Sorry. Do it. I've got time. Dude, we're, okay, we're, we're professionals have... here, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so this is another one from our listeners. Um, this one is: uh, Why is it that most of Christendom openly accepts Paul's story of Christ personally returning after the ascension to instruct just him to redefine Christ? Chris, Christendom, um, yet takes serious issue with a 15-year-old from upstate New York who claims a similar story. Oh, crap. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, Timmy from upstate New York. Uh. Yeah. Dang. Um, yeah, let's let's do it, right? So let's, let's process this. So um, what are all these weird books that come out now? Like kids dying and going to heaven and then heaven coming is back for again? Realsies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that weird, like... Of course, that all happened. Didn't one come out as like, actually, I made up the story. Sorry, guys. I, anyway, it's weird. Um, it's, it's so weird, right? Right. Or, or people believe in the apocalypse is coming within the generation. So pick up a sword and start hacking crap, right? I get it. Like, this is weird. Um, and so, yeah, part of that, I, I wish I had a better answer than to say part of it is we take it by faith. But we do have some clues in Paul that there's something unique, right? And first of all, let's let's name this. Paul is, when it comes to written sources, the earliest source we have for anything called Christianity or mm-hmm. Jesus movement, actually, more technically. How what's the and, early, just reference? I've, it's been a while since Bible college. What's the yeah. earliest the earliest Paul that we sort of can confirm? Oh, like letter? Yeah, as far as like year-wise, like how, how Ooh, soon after the I would say, man, in the 40s, like okay. late 40s, you know, so this stuff's going on in the 50s, 40s, 50s, yeah. So a decade, so, a decade or so, a decade and a half after Christ. Yeah, okay. yeah, and you've got to, you you know, if you take Paul's testimony, like eyewitness testimony to be true or whatever, um, you know, it's shortly after because there's uh, a period of several years where he's like in Arabia and he goes to the desert, hangs out with the apostles, but just a few of them for a couple of days and goes away and comes back. And then suddenly he's like, OK, I'm ready for this. You know, so so it's not like according to Paul, it started pretty early, but he doesn't start writing stuff until at least the probably the 40s, somewhere in the upper 40s. Um, but yeah, um, crap. I just lost total track of the actual thrust of the <laughs> question. Oh, uh, why, why do we accept, you know, why do we accept Paul's sort of his yeah. story about Christ as, yeah. as opposed to a 15, you know, Timmy from upstate New York? Yeah. So, so I would just say like, if we're going to accept anyone's testimony or story about Christ, we, we've got to accept Paul's. Like if we're going to accept anyone, he's as close as we have to historically reliable witness to something called early Jesus movement that, that we have at all. 
Um, of course, like if we take first Peter to be from Peter, which I do, um, it's probably not second, but I think probably first, uh, you know, Peter writes way later, I think, but there's a witness there. And some of, uh, the letters from John are probably from a guy named John that we think is really John. I don't know, you know, but like Paul is the first witness that we have writing down things about something called the resurrection. And so if any of it is credible, I want to start with the the horse's mouth, so to speak. And, and Paul like goes to lengths and I'm going to sound sort of apologetic. I feel every time I bring this up, I feel like uh, evidence that demands a verdict or whatever. That <laughs> terrible yeah, book Josh about. McGet- Josh yeah. on the podcast now. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hate I hate that there's an association there. But I mean, in first Corinthians, when he's talking about resurrection, Paul's like, look, 500 people saw Jesus risen from the dead and check this out. Some of them are still alive. You can go talk to them, right? And and I think that's a pretty bold claim to make in a first century reality. Um, and so he has, I think, more evidence and weight than Timmy does when he has, um, you know, a psychosis moment when he's out in the field and has picked some mushrooms and thought it was candy, you know, like that's, um, Billy, that's something you do with Yeah, yeah, like... Maybe Paul was high too, but man, I, I just, he was uh, high first. Yeah. Yeah. He was high first at least. And maybe high on the Holy ghost or something, but man, this guy, um, if he's, if his stuff is real, I want to take it really seriously. Um, and so that's why I remain a Christian, even though I have to sit with some hard intellectual stuff. Mm. Okay. So one more question, then we're gonna do a lightning round. Um, what are like, you, I know you, I've listened to the uh, three or four episodes of the podcast. I'm a little backlogged currently on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really good, by the way. I really appreciate oh, it. It's just it's, it's the really a good length to like, I listen to Pete Holmes. His are two hours long. Like, it's, <laughs> oh, crap. Least, yeah, they are. After a while, it's like, yeah. okay, I'm done here listening. To, I love Pete Holmes. I'm done listening to Pete Holmes. Um, yeah. Yours are yeah. nice bite-sized chunks. So what are your, what are some, your favorite resources currently on Paul? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I would start with like, if anyone, so assuming that, you have a like background in just the basics of Paul. You know, you grew up in the church, you read some of his stuff and it's not like brand, brand new. Right. Um, and you have a little like kind of intermediate level scholarly impulse. I would say the four views of the apostle Paul, it's kind of a Zondervan resource that came out about five years ago, four years ago. It's really helpful. It's not like the best of the best, but man, there's some essays in there that are really helpful. Uh, one by Mark Nanos, the Jewish Paul. Oh my gosh. Uh, Mark has become someone I really respect and I've gotten to talk to, uh, a little bit about Paul, which is super cool. And, uh, he's not a Christian. He's a Jewish, uh, guy who loves talking about Paul and, um, helping restore us to a Paul that would have been more first century rooted. And so I really respect him about that. So I would start there. I think, N.T. Wright uh, gets a lot right and some wrong on Paul, and uh, but his resources are really helpful too. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Paul for Everyone little guides are helpful. If you're really daring, his 1,500 <laughs> books. I was going to say his 9,000-page Paul tome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul and the Faithfulness of God, very cool. Um, you know, I, I would say, yeah, those are two places I would start. And in fact, on my blog, uh, I have two blogs and I haven't blogged since like the end of last year, I'm pretty sure. But if you were to go to my blog, I have a page where I have like introductions to Paul that I recommend and then like intermediate resources for Paul where you can kind of go and check that out. Um, so, so yeah, those are there as well. Cool. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Great. 
So can we expect a like a five thousand word tome from you on Paul with your expertise? Or oh crap! Yeah. So <laughs> you know, since you're not busy in planting a time. church and all that, yeah. Yeah. In, yeah, your, so spare, I do, in your spare time, <laughs> I do have no time, um, which is why I consistently am inconsistent with all of my projects. But I, yeah. So I'm definitely working on a book proposal right now, and. Uh, it's on Paul. I'm trying to figure out like, you know, in the spirit of a lot of these questions, like what if we unpacked a better Paul that wasn't anti-Jewish, that wasn't anti-women, that wasn't pro-slavery, pro-bigotry, you know, some of these things. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting with the concept and, uh, have some chapters written, but that's a while out, I think, but, uh, hopefully it works out. Yeah. Well, good. We'll have an excuse. Awesome. We'll have an excuse to have you back on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, it'd be fun. It'd be a lot awesome. of fun. Let's do a lightning round. Um, are you ready for this? Uh, no, I'm terrified. Okay. <laughs> um, what is your beverage of choice? Beverage of choice, uh, ah, Pinot Noir. Hey. Yeah. Oh, I was glassy. Yeah. I was totally going to guess grape juice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I knew that's... It. I've been slamming rye whiskey the entire time we've been oh, interviewing. You're hey. drinking Pinot, man. Like, <laughs> oh well, you know, I, I'm trying to be a refined creature. You know? <laughs> uh, no, it, I, it, I've got some cheap uh, bourbon in my fridge, or you know, on top of my fridge right now that I definitely like to sip on too. But yeah, Pinot is kind of my go-to. I don't know why, but. It's smooth. It's, it's good. It's good stuff. Y'all are classy out yeah, there in the, on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, what's the last album you listened to from start to finish? Oh crap! What is? Um, Sufjan Stevens. Uh, uh, oh yes. Yeah, man. Uh, Death with Dignity. Is that what it's called? Carrie uh, Lowell. The album. Yeah, Carrie Lowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie yeah. oh, Lowell. Dude, I just listened yeah. to it again the other day. That is a devastating album. Oh, it is painfully beautiful. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you could ask Paul one question, what would it be? Am I right? Ooh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. That's perfect. All this that's, crap, a, right? that's a mic dropper right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is this is my favorite question. I was so so this excited is, whenever I I thought of this yeah, question. This is from Michael. This is so when you realize how Michael bad this question is. Oh, this is quintessentially me. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. In an alternate universe. Would yep. you rather be an expert on Paul McCartney or Polly Shore? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, bro. Polly Shore. Uh, yes. Yes. Did not That's see it going Biodome? that direction. Are you kidding? Biodome okay. is so good. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to ask a follow up question. Best Polly Shore movie? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Biodome, but yeah. what was the one where he was like a. Soldier, or something. I'm trying oh, to remember my that one. I did forget. I, Encino Man yeah. is my go-to. Well, oh, Encino Man's But good where do we too, land yeah. on Son-in-Law? I'm yeah. kind of fond of Son-in-Law. Oh, I forget about. Oh, yeah. Man, what yeah. happened to that guy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. God. Didn't he they just like do the... a podcast? Where is Richard Simmons? They need to do one. Where is Polly Shore? Like, what the hell <laughs> yeah. happened to that guy? Yeah, he was like the crappier. Um, Adam Sand Sandler yeah. kind of like, yeah, but I liked the it. poor man's Adam Sandler. Yeah. He was in uh, my, so I've got a three and a half year old, and we have the Goofy movie, and he was in Polly Shore yes. is in the Goofy movie, the Leaning Tower Tower of Cheesa. Yes, <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. No, I no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, that's, that's my awesome. childhood, man. <laughs> you want to go ahead? And, uh, last question. So, uh, are there any projects you just mentioned that you're sort of working tentatively on something? Are you are any projects you're working on currently? Yeah. Yeah. So besides that book proposal, yeah, I'm actually working on my thesis, which I'm kind of keeping under the radar, except to say it'll deal with 
Paul's cosmology and some Ooh. themes of empire. So um, nice, that's nice. for my MA. And if I if I like it and I am kind of in a place where I want to do it, I may make that a PhD proposal. We'll see. So nice. we're willing to proofread yeah. that for you if you want <laughs> hey, to. Hey, awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, where can people find you online? And, and number one, I'm gonna. I'm. I feel like this is like a giant like infomercial for the podcast. So definitely, oh. people need to check out the podcast. Yeah, yeah. This is if this conversation of Paul has been beneficial to any of our listeners, head on over to the podcast, yep. hit subscribe. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good. Yep. But uh, uh, where, where else can people find you online? Yeah, definitely. So paulcast.org is where you can find all those links. Um, and yeah, I'm on Twitter. So Kurt Willems, K-U-R-T-W-I-L-L-E-M-S. I have the name that gets misspelled both first and last name. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not Kirk Williams. I'm not <laughs> Kirk with a C Willems. I'm, you know, anyway, it's a pain in the, anyway. So, so I have that. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all those things. And then, yeah, I'm also at Patheos and I'm trying to blog more. We'll see how that works out. It's kind of a resolution that I haven't resolved yet, but it'll happen. Uh, it's not really, but I'm there. <laughs> uh, and that's called the Pangea blog. And so that's, um, been there for, I don't know, five, six years. And then I'm also the pastor of a church in Seattle called uh, Pangea. And so you can go to seattlepangea.com and uh, come visit our church if you live in Seattle or happen to be hanging out for a weekend. We have some Washington listeners, so I know they may want to do that. So Right on. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've got to do it again for sure. Oh, this is so fun, guys. Seriously, huge pleasure. Yeah. Right on. Now that we puked in your sea, you can tell us what you think. The five stars get red, but one star is dead. Two hearts. All right, feedback. Um, five star reviews. What do we got, Matt? This one is titled "What's in the Box" by Romanian Dan. It's in a box. <laughs> in a box, yeah. My dick in a box. My dick in a box. My dick in a box, yeah. <laughs> that's really good. I'm not gonna lie. That's very close uh, to. Yeah. <laughs> That's good because we've all been drinking. That's yes, how it's a good, good. point. Uh, by Romanian Dan. Brad Pitt to Kevin Wait, Spacey. Not actually a, from Romania. He is from mm-hmm. Romania. Dan is not his real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's in the pub. Oh. In the pub. <laughs> Brad Pitt to Kevin Spacey in the movie Seven. Quote, I've been trying to figure something in my head, and maybe you could help me out, yeah? When a person is insane, as you clearly are, do you know that you're insane? Maybe you're just sitting around, reading guns and ammo, masturbating in your own feces. <laughs> Dude, just stop and go, wow, it is fucking amazing how crazy I really am. Yeah? Do you guys do that? End quote. <laughs> and then he says, you guys are all right, too. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dan. Thanks. Thanks. I, thanks, I, I think. think. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's thanks. Thanks, buddy. Uh, no corrections and clarifications. We stand, wow. by, our, we stand oh, nice. by our word, guys. Yeah. 
Uh, which probably some things we should have corrected or clarified <laughs> yeah, probably. or apologized for. Yes. Uh, none. Alternate hashtags, Ray at Galactic Wonderlust um, said, by Missy, Mississippi Brewing Company, made in New York. Hashtag get a rope. <laughs> From that, that, that pace, El, pa- El Paso. The, the salsa? New York City. Yes, that get one? a rope. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also did, hashtag shock the monkey. Hashtag reusable <laughs> condom. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Brooke Fonacia. Fonseca. Oh, no, my God. Fonseca. You're just Michael's awesome. my favorite, says everybody. Again. Nobody says that anymore. They're over me. Yeah, I think um, that's probably a good, good choice. All right. Um, he did hashtag crink that hog, which is the real one. God, man. <sighs> like, I listened to that twice. <laughs> I was in, in tears, realistic. Driving both times, <laughs> man. Too. He also wrote hashtag cry laughing with earbuds in. <laughs> Crank that hog. <laughs> hashtag that really that really might be our best hashtag ever, and that's a. I'm that's not a, sure it beats Alab- hot tubs in Alabama. Thunder man, pussy. I don't know. That's uh, hashtag that therapy. Hashtag my family just ignores me. Hashtag wet bag of shards. <laughs> um, birthday stranger hit us up with. Um, are these numbered ten through? 1? No, th- these are the alternate hashtags. This is oh, okay. Um, said love Brian's on. We have four different sections uh, now. <laughs> spoke. There, there is considerably less tweets that I read. I am actually editing them now. Good, um, good for you, buddy. Uh, love Brian's on. Uh, s- count. Crank that hog. Hashtag uh, counterculture. Counter. Culture. Uh, love Brian Zahn spoke of is needed. Hashtag Soto Zen POV. Hashtag Damascus Road moment equals hashtag enlightenment. Yeah, so, that interview was awesome. He's yeah. he's killing it. He's right a now. next level human being. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Megan Jessup said tonight's uh, podcast was Honestly, so refreshing. All the law and the prophets hang on this. Hashtag mainly Chris Tomlin covers. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had to put that. All right. Honorable mentions. Dave the Explorer. Dave Sluss, new in the pub. Yes. Joined the pub. And Um, and started a fight. Yes. (laughs) Wait, really? (laughs) Over the books. Oh, yeah. So um, a couple of people, I started a fight with me. A couple of people said they didn't like Lord of the Rings, and I, oh, took, I took issue with that. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it. No, that's fucking. If ridiculous. you don't like it, you're wrong. I mean, yeah, exactly. no, I mean, I will yeah. say, like the first half of Fellowship, Fellowship is boring is as shit, rough. and I did say that. The it's Hobbit boring. is great, though. Right. The Hobbit's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like the. Uh, was it Tom Bombadil? Yeah, I, like yeah. I mean, I've read, I've read those books three or four times. Yeah, all the way. Through. I read them once Man, a year. The first, the first half. It's pretty of, slow. It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, Tracy Medor, Medor, Medor. It's Meter. Meter. Uh, fireproof. She, she quoted us, quote, fireproof. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> End quote. That's his podcast. I do remember the I step words. Uh, those words have surfaced many times over the years. Yeah. Huff the Magic Dragon. I laughed. I cried. Brian Zond Huff is a prophet. The magic Dragon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my wife hate I sing that I sing like that to my wife. Sometimes too. she hates it. Like uh there's a song she really hates. It's uh You are so beautiful <laughs> to me. 
You sound like a record skipping. I know. She hates it. It drives her crazy. Yeah, of course, I do it all the time. Um, anyway, he's, uh, uh, Huff said, Brian's on as a prophet. Makes me want to follow Jesus. Hashtag crank that hog. <laughs> Boy, could those two statements be any more diametrically opposed? Seriously. We're sorry, Brian's on. Good she Lord. said that on there. We are terrible people. I, I was listening to that interview, and I'm like, I cannot... Fucking believe <laughs> that we interviewed Brian Zond. This hashtag into being crank that hall. Well, and we did like four stories that involved dongs. God, like, dong, dong, dong. I felt so bad. Ugh. I did. I actually felt like a well. I mean, more of a terrible human being than I generally feel. But Eugene Thyssen said, "Note to self: Don't listen to Pastor's podcast on the road. Um, hard to drive straight when laughing. Love <laughs> Brian Zond interview. One of these days, Hashtag we're, these days we're gonna kill somebody. You know that, right? Like that's probably gonna happen. He died listening to <laughs> some random podcast out of Indiana. <laughs> All right, top ten. Courtney Vrablick wrote at Brian Zond. Listened uh, at Pastors Podcast at Brian Zond. Listened for a month now. Every week equals laughing to tears plus having my mind blown. Thought I was alone. Hashtag you crank that hawk. <laughs> <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> Number nine, JT uh, by, Johnson. By the way, thank you all for compliments like that. That means that really means a lot to it us. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Number nine, JT Johnson at JT Johnson 2717 said, at Pastor's Podcast, just listen to the pilot episode. Love it. Going to listen in order. I'll keep you updated. Oh, my God. Hashtag it gets a lot drunk worse. monkey. It wow. gets so much worse. Oh, buddy. We, it gets worse with age. Yeah. If you like that one, The just sound wait. gets better. The content does not. Does not. We go I really feel like, like once we got mics on our own, it really headed downhill pretty fast. Well, that's when we started doing the 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 voice the extra voices of like the chopper guys I heard this guy at his store <laughs> there was a guy at his store the other day I was working in and he had that voice of the hey guys we're gonna <laughs> he totally sounded that I actually tried to record the audio <laughs> but it was too it was he was too in the background but he was like hey, I almost I almost punched a lady and what you doing <laughs> I'm like a grandy latte. Fuck you. <laughs> and the horse you rode in on. Just say Venti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I seriously, I was like, mm. Grandy, really? Go Venti or go home. That's what I say. Or pronounce it right. Or yeah. pronounce it right. Yeah. Vente is the Venti. one I hear a lot. Yeah. That I just want to like cut their throats. Vintney. I like the Vintney. <laughs> Can I get a towel? <laughs> like a towel <laughs> coffee, please. The towel. Can I get the big one? All right, let's not. Let's not. Okay. Give me a number large. eight. <laughs> number eight. It's NYPP. Called a large, Michael. Not your pastors podcast at NY Pastors. Are those guys still bothering us? They are. <laughs> they won't fucking let up. Said, so, I've been listening to nearly every episode. We had you on our show. I still can't tell Brad and Matt's voices apart. Yeah, you're not the only one. No, man. you're not. Kurt, Kurt Willems at the. They didn't hear this, but during the podcast, he was like. Um, am I just? Are there just two people here? <laughs> yeah, he like, no, there's just two, three people, two voices. Yeah, they're the same. Number seven, it's Amanda <laughs> at Indwell Daughter. We're actually bears. She's still bothering us too. We're actually bears. We hired actors to go to at Pastor's podcast live event for us. It's the 
Bare necessities. We both went Don't there at the same time. Don't worry about your worries <laughs> and your strife. <laughs> <laughs> Can somebody at Aaron Neville about this episode? <laughs> oh, number six oh. at Sean <laughs> McDie. God, we're uh, only number six. Jesus number six. OMG! I laughed until I cried listening to the latest. Uh, episode of At Pastors Podcast. Come for the jokes. Stay for the interview with Brian Zond, which was amazing. Yeah, Hashtag Crank He's that legitimately And awesome. man, if you're not subscribed to the Word of Life podcast, mm-hmm. get your life right with the Lord <laughs> yeah, and really. do that now. Do yeah. it. God, I listened to the one on St. Patrick today. So I need good, to, I'm, I'm behind. I need to catch up. Oh, so good. Number five, Peacher, Peachers. Preachers Forum at Preachers mm. Forum. Said it's true. Jim Baker really is selling the pizza bucket yeah. for just two hundred and fifty dollars. God, I wish we had the money to buy it. Seriously, I really can't do. make this stuff or if, up. I want the Fiesta bucket. <laughs> I want the pizza bucket. I want Michael to eat the whole thing. You and I can share a Fiesta bucket, and he can eat the pizza bucket. <laughs> Fiesta. We can do that for the. I life. would really like to watch him lose his self respect on a bucket of pizza. <laughs> I really would. Is it what, I have what a little feeling, self-respect? I he have has a feeling left. it's like it's just like the stuff you need to make a pizza. Oh, I'm sure it is. I just want like a bucket full of <laughs> slices of pizza. <laughs> you just want well, that could be a Ziploc bags of like honestly slices like, of pizza. I mean, if you get a bucket, like honestly, t- a couple large pizzas would probably fill it. We could probably make yeah, that happen. I bet it's a lot more than that. I don't think I could eat. Well, I mean, a five-gallon bucket of pizza is a shit. It's pizza. four gallons. It's only four. Oh, well, well in that right. case, <laughs> completely doable. I mean, you're probably talking like three largest large pizza. I bet, no, I bet it's more than that. I don't Are you smashing it down? Well, I would. It's a bucket. Or I, mean, I can't it, imagine it's some... laid neatly in there. Obviously, it's like it's like the, the people eating the hot dogs. You got to dip it in something. I dip it in milk. Ugh. Oh, please tell milk me you don't actually dip hot no, dogs. No, I in don't milk. actually. Oh, hot dogs? No, I'm talking about oh, pizza. Okay. Dipping pizza. No, in milk. Yeah. either way. I don't do either one. Okay. But I'm just saying, okay. can, like, because the hot dog people dip it their <laughs> hot dogs in, in water. water. Oh, yeah. and the, the oh, Joey God. Chestnut. Those are yeah. gross. Those are gross. Yeah. yeah. Man, fuck America. God, those are America. Fuck yeah. yeah. America. Fuck. <laughs> Come in to Kansas. Save the motherfucking day. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be so annoyed by this. <laughs> like at this point, all three of us have, look, all three of us look at each other and do the exact same thing. Oh shit! I'm going to be singing that in my head the rest of the night. You are. In Aaron Neville's you know, voice. Here's the worst part. You're going to wake up at 3 in the morning with Drinker's I Dawn, am. and you're going to be singing that yeah. shit in Aaron Neville's voice. Yeah, I am. Oh, man. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> at Ian Irving. Uh, or, I mean, oh no. Ian Irving at Batman Villain. So it is meaningful you want. Listen to At Pastor's podcast. They always touch me in a special way. Oh, God. Give me a real stirring. And fill me with spunk. <laughs> he's just, he's a creepiest God. fucker on the planet. It's not even close. Thank you, Ian, for that. Corn Goblin <laughs> at Pastor's Podcast. The fuck? <laughs> I'm bumped to honorable mention because of a serious tweet. I won't sell out like at Batman Villain. <laughs> yes. That, that was number three. He's number three. Number two, 
Holy Heretics. If you want to see us team up on an upcoming episode with the At Pastors podcast for an ingloriously heretical good time, give me a hell yeah. We got several hell yeah, yeah. A lot of hell yeah's on that. Yeah, yeah that's happening actually at some yeah. point. Yeah, it's uh, down the road. Country, May, Next month? May? May, May, May. Okay, two months. Yeah, um, and then coming in at number one, at S A H Geek Dad th- oh. with threes. Quick draw says. At Pastors Podcast. One 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 zero 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 one zero 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 one 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 zero 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 one zero one zero one zero one zero one zero zero. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there. Um, hashtag geeks are uh, real. I think is what he said. So I actually use the 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 binary uh, translator. That didn't mean shit. <laughs> It didn't mean anything. <laughs> so because it didn't mean shit, I'm actually going to use some binary, and you're going to read this message. Here it is. Zero. I already know what it one, says. One, one, zero, one, zero, 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 space, zero, one, one, zero, one, zero, zero, one. It says you fuck know. you, doesn't it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it says eat shit. Get no, it right. No. Um, all right, that's uh, closing time. Read us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> Write a review on iTunes because it helps get our the name out there. It helps people know that we're listening. It helps with ratings. Yeah. Um, write a review. We w- would like to get some sponsors so we can quit our day jobs and <laughs> sit around and <laughs> fart into microphones. Um, check out our website, ingloriouspastards.com. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash pastorspodcast. Now it's time to choose a Boy, I've got a lot. I've got a few. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, hashtag snip your stuff. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I got that one too. Hashtag flames on their ass. Yep, got that one. Hashtag huge tower. Huge tower. <laughs> it's huge. Huge. I'm a huge piece of shit. <laughs> my name's Trump. Don't worry about it. Uh, hashtag keep my penis intact. <laughs> this is a this is a uh, this is a dark horse for the uh, the hashtag of the week hashtag leather in your mouth. I have hashtag grape juice and leather in your mouth. <laughs> I feel like that's I feel like that's a dark horse. I like grape juice and leather in your mouth. It's really long but really pleasurable. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a new one, really that's long and really said. pleasurable. I got it. Good God. Hashtag poor man's Adam Sandler. Yep. Hashtag score one for the Belgian Danes. I had that one too. I've got the Belgian Danes too. Hashtag a bofa in sculpture. (laughs) Oh my God. We're we're fucking infants, man. What's bofa? Uh... Hashtag Jedi with an X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Hashtag fuck C-3PO. <laughs> Hashtag screw you, Chewie. <laughs> Hold on. This is another dark horse. Hashtag overstimulated raccoon. <laughs> Randy Tomas. Hashtag raccoon stiffy. <laughs> hashtag Matt's gonna like this one. Hashtag dumb in multiple languages. 
Oh, hashtag punched in the snout. Hashtag crafting with cat hair. Hashtag Michael the dog murderer. Oh, and then and then hashtag I have carpal tunnel. my god oh shit well okay i've got i've got similar but some variations uh i had hashtag score one for the belgian danes (laughs) hashtag michael neville (laughs) (laughs) hashtag bofa degree (laughs) hashtag overstimulated raccoon (laughs) hashtag right hashtag raccoon trying to eat titties <laughs> this is probably why we'll never have sponsors. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hashtag puff of steam. <laughs> hashtag put down the puppy Lenny. <laughs> and related. Hashtag Michael's probably a serial killer. <laughs> probably. I haven't been uh, tested yet. Uh, and then hashtag really long and really pleasurable. <laughs> All right, I've got hashtag the Belgian Danes, hashtag snipped your stuff, hashtag puffing steam, hashtag flames on their ass, hashtag uh, grape juice and leather in your mouth, hashtag hashtag Jedi with an X-Wing, uh, and then hashtag death by porn. Oh, man, I really like Jedi with an X-Wing. Uh, I, man, there's some really good ones there. I, I really, like Jedi I, with an X wing. I also really, really like Michael the dog bird. <laughs> I like I like snipped n- snipped your stuff. That's a pretty good one too. That's it a pretty really strong is. one too. Yeah, it had to do with the interview too. Really, what was the other one? Really like Michael Flames the dog murderer though. <laughs> Please, can we do Michael? No, the we're dog not going to do Michael the dog murderer. All right, we'll do Michael's probably a serial killer. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I'm okay with either snip your stuff or. Jedi. Let's do Jedi with an X-Wing. All right. That's my Enneagram. Jedi with an X-Wing. All right. So if you've listened to this podcast in its entirety, hit us up on social media. um, On Twitter, at Pastor's Podcast. Oh, at Polly Named Brad. At Polly Named Matt. At MJ Basinger. I'm basically rage tweeting about IU basketball's coaching <laughs> search right now. That's that's my life right now. Hit us up with the social media or, or with the hashtag hashtag X or Jedi with an X wing hashtag <laughs> Jedi, Jedi with an, an X wing yeah. on social media. Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. I do have an update. Um, I did. I do have LinkedIn, and I did finally <laughs> get a friend request by a listener, Shane Lanning. This is for you. He sent. He directly sent me an in mess inbox message and said. This is just so you'll say my name on the podcast. <laughs> so thanks, Shane. He's our Muncie buddy. Yeah. Anybody else? That's the only person I'm shouting out to. But hit me up on on LinkedIn because <laughs> YOLO. Also on MySpace and Zynga. Actually, I don't have a Zynga, and I don't maintain my MySpace. Not anymore. Either. I don't think I ever had Zynga. I think I might have. I had Blogger. Yeah, I had Blogspot. Yeah, I had which was Blogger, blogger before. Uh, my Blogspot still exists, by the way. Mine does my, too. I'm sure mine does mine too. Does mine too. is hidden. It's it, 
it's a interesting look at uh, my my life from uh, a Republican who voted for George W. Bush too. I killed a dog today. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did because America. I did it again. What's the Pete Holmes joke? Could man be so sweet? <laughs> yeah, uh, to to being a little less. Uh, Mine was the the Kingdom Project dot blogspot dot com. It still exists. Um, it's been a minute since I wrote it. I don't remember what mine is, but it was definitely a reference to Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, that's a shock. Mine sort of got me fired, so that was cool. Yeah. Yep. Especially when the pastor printed off copies of it. And gave it to people to tell them to stop talking to me. Yeah. yeah. Neat. Not that I'm, not that I'm bitter. <laughs> let's, so. let's move on. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, puff of steam, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. how, about, how about Bofa? How about, how about them apples? <laughs> All right, so yeah, this is this is the end of the show. So so long, suckers. <laughs> you guys got anything else to say? No, yeah, not really. Here's uh, <laughs> twelve thousand pounds of porn music. <laughs> Carpal tunnel. <laughs> I killed, so I killed a dog today. I killed a dog today. Twelve thousand pounds of porn. Twelve thousand pounds of porn. Oh man. <laughs>